Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Port here on 970 WDAY. We got a lot to get to. Good afternoon, Atiel. How are you? Doing fabulous. It's a pretty nice day out here. I really love early spring weather. It is uh, It is the great. It, it's, it is just the best. It really is. Uh, I want to get right into it, though. Uh, Congressman Kevin Kramer coming up at uh, one thirty-eight. He will be uh, on uh, for his weekly open phone segment. So certainly, if you got comments or questions for him, I'll be ready with that. Your call-in number, 701-293-9000, is a toll-free number. Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, all right, right off the bat, I want to uh, – Luke sent in an email today. Yesterday, we were talking about athletics on, on campus. And by the way – I finally got the info from NDSU for their sports programs. I haven't gone through and, and analyzed it or anything yet, but I got that today, so that post will be coming. But we've been talking about the cost of athletics at UND. And Luke emails, uh, Rob, on the subject of cutting sports, I'm a student here at UND. It's interesting to see when other students cry out in how poor of a decision uh, it was to cut women's hockey and how it's such a vital part of our university. I asked them when the last time they went to a women's hockey game. Most can't answer. Uh, to me, cutting three athletic programs makes complete sense. What does piss me off is when administrative cuts was when administration cuts academic programs, music therapy last spring before sports. Uh, which of the two has more of a tangible long-term effect on students? Um, I, I would say I, I agree with Luke. I didn't mind cutting the music therapy program. I think there were a lot of things about that particular program which. We're pretty dubious in in its efficacy, but I, it, generally speaking, my, that quibble aside, I think Luke makes a solid point. Academics before athletics. The institutions were created for an academic mission, and as far as I'm concerned, is is if, if there's a dime being spent on athletics at at universities, that should be cut before we ever cut anything from an academic program. That's that's my belief. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. And like I said, I'll have updated NDSU uh, data maybe maybe later this week if I get time. The legislature's just been eating up a lot of my time. And th- there was a, there was a blow-up today uh, over the NDSU nursing school in Bismarck. And there's some backstory here because a lot of people are, maybe you've seen the social media campaign, and people are complaining that, um, you know, the, the legislature is going to kick all these students out on the street and all this faculty and everything's terrible. And that was certainly uh, NDSU President Dean Brashani's email to uh, leadership in the North Dakota University system. It's not entirely true. The lawmaker who introduced the amendment is Representative Bob Martinson, a Republican from Bismarck. Uh, he says it's, it's, it's about getting a better deal for NDSU by either, you know, renegotiating the terms of the contract or transferring the program back to Sanford. But you've got to remember, the backstory here goes back to 2014, and I wrote pretty extensively about it. And the way this deal between NDSU and Sanford was created smells to high heaven. It was a sweetheart deal from the get-go. You remember, you've got to remember that at the time the deal between Sanford and NDSU was signed, President Brashani, then-Chancellor Larry Scogan, as well as at least one member of the State Board of Higher Education, were all on various Sanford boards. And essentially what the deal boils down to is Sanford was operating a nursing school in Bismarck. It was not a profitable nursing school, but essentially they were operating it as a feeder to bring nurses from their, their program into their hospitals and, and medical facilities because North Dakota has absolutely has a nursing shortage, and we've had one for a long time. 
so essentially what Sanford was able to do is they dumped the cost of operating that facility on the taxpayers while getting an agreement from NDSU where they still get priority access to the graduates. So essentially, North Dakota taxpayers are going to foot the bill, and Sanford did cover the expenses of, of operating the facility uh, for the first um, two or three years. But now, starting later this summer, taxpayers are going to have to start footing the bill for that, which is why the legislature is bringing this issue up now, because we've got a budget shortage. We've got a budget problem. So what's going to happen is the taxpayers are now operating the school. The taxpayers are going to pick up the expenses for the school. Oh, oh no, by the way, the taxpayers are going to pay rent to Sanford. For the privilege of operating their school for them, and Sanford's going to continue to get priority access to those graduates, priority placement at their facilities. That's a sweetheart deal for Sanford. I am 100% in favor of, of expanding our nursing programs in the state because, again, we have a nursing shortage in North Dakota. But what we did with this Sanford deal out in Bismarck, and it was approved by the State Board of Higher Education back in 2014, is we essentially said, hey, Sanford, we'll pay the expenses, we'll pick up the tab to train your nurses for you. And that is not how public education should work. It shouldn't be for the benefit of one company. It should be, honestly, it shouldn't be for the benefit of any company. It should be for the benefit of the students. But that's what we did. And oh, by the way, back in 2014, and I have video of this at sayanythingblog.com if you want to check it out. But the way this was approved is one member of the Board of Higher Education, Kathy Nessett, she's currently the president of the board, but at then she was just a, just a member. She said, I think it probably should happen of the sale of the Sanford School to NDSU. But as we bring a new college into our system, it involves public dollars. Should we bring our legislature in to make a determination on this? Her argument essentially being that eventually this school is going to cost money. Legislature is going to have to make an appropriation to run it. Maybe we should ask the legislature before we create an obligation for them to fund something. And President Bershani answered, and he said, I quote, I don't believe we go to the legislature asking for a special accommodation for this. So on top of the fact that this is a bad deal for NDSU, that this is a bad deal for North Dakota taxpayers, that this is a this is a sweetheart deal for Sanford, where we're gonna the taxpayers are gonna pick up the tab for training their nurses for them. On top of all that, they didn't ask the legislature about it. They created an obligation for what is now gonna be a multi million dollar appropriation without asking the legislature. You wanna talk about why there is so much acrimony between the higher education system and the legislature this is part of the reason why you want to know why people like i have been saying that president dean bashani is a poor leader for ndsu for years now this is why stuff like this this was a bad deal for ndsu a bad deal for the taxpayers and it was a slap in the face of the legislature not a smart thing to do when you're a public institution that relies on appropriations from the legislature more to come straight ahead, 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away.
Welcome back. Rob Report, 970 WDAY, 701 2939 It's amazing how much misinformation gets out there or, or how much political people just rely on the public not being very well informed to just completely bamboozle them. You know, we've, we've got this thing. I mean, we, we have this blow up over the, the NDSU nursing school in Bismarck, which, you know, a lot of people are flipping out. There's a demonstration outside of the school and there's all sorts of emails and social media messages and everything. And, and everybody completely ignoring the fact that this started as a sweetheart deal for, for Sanford handed out by President Dean Brashani. Uh, and, and a slap in the face of the legislature. Not a smart move. And, and by the way, I fully expect the school's going to stay open. I don't think anybody, and, and Representative uh, Martinson says it was never his intent to close the school. That's not what he's trying to do. He's trying to either get a better deal, a financial deal for the taxpayers, or transfer it back to Sanford. I'd like to see it go back to Sanford, honestly. They should pay for their own school. Uh, and if we need to expand nursing, uh, you know, there's a program at Bismarck State that could be expanded. There's programs at other state institutions which could be expanded. There's other things we can do. We don't have to do a sweetheart deal with Sanford to um, to, 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 to put ourselves in a position to, uh, um, to, to expand access to nursing or to expand the availability of, of nurses. Um, the other thing I, I find is just absolutely fascinating. You know, the, the a narrative that, that Democrats have been pushing – this legislative session is this idea that all, all these spending cuts are terrible and the sky is falling and everything's and to be sure, um, Republicans spent way too much money and now we're paying the price for it. But according to them, we'd be in a better situation if if we hadn't cut taxes for oil. And and that's that's literally what they're saying. Here here's a quote from uh, Senator Jim Dotsonrod, a Democrat from Winemere. Uh, in a recent release uh, from Democrats, he says, I quote, over the last several sessions, our legislative leaders pushed through tax cuts for oil companies. Now, this is uh, this is another quote from the same release from House Minority Leader Cory Mock. I quote, as difficult as this budget is, future budgets will be even more challenging because we don't have the ongoing revenue to support this approach. It's just not sustainable. Right now, we're balancing our budget by draining all of our savings accounts, which are funded by the same oil taxes, which have been slashed. Now, to hear them tell it, you would think that Republicans did something to oil taxes, which reduced the amount of revenues that we're getting from oil taxes. But it's not true. It's it's a complete lie. Everybody's saying that the oil tax reforms passed in the 2015 session is somehow costing the state money is flat out lying to you. In the same way that Democrats often talk about slowing down spending growth, as though it were a spending cut, which, by the way, they did with the Meals on Wheels program. We, uh, they, they changed, the legislature put in an amendment to change automatic increases in spending on that program to a cap on spending in the program. That's a slight increase from previous funding, and they called that a cut. I'm sorry, but slowing down spending is not a cut. You may disagree with it. You may think it's bad policy, but it's not a cut. Also, if we don't raise taxes as high as you want them raised, that is not a tax cut. And that's essentially what Democrats are saying about oil taxes. The truth of the matter is, and I got fresh numbers from the tax commissioner's office yesterday, through February, which is the last month for which data is available, we collected $1.57 billion in oil taxes. Had the legislature not 
removed a massive trigger exemption that's triggered by low oil prices, we would have collected $978 million. That is a $591 million tax increase. So for Democrats to say that, you know, we, we're in this bad budget situation because we slashed taxes for oil, how can you say that when tax revenues from taxes on oil have increased $591 million since January of 2016, when that policy went into effect. How can you say that? Now, what they'll say is, well, they also reduced the top rate. It came down from 11.5% to 10%. And that's true, except that they haven't paid that rate. The price is still, the, 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 the trigger exemption still would have been triggered. Essentially what they're saying is in addition to getting rid of the massive oil tax exemption, which was a massive tax increase on the oil industry at a time when oil prices haven't been that great, in addition to that, they also wanted to leave the rate at 11.5%. So basically they didn't get as much of as big of a tax increase on the oil industry as they wanted. And so as a result, they're saying it was a tax cut. And it's a lie. It is it is a falsehood. Everybody perpetrating it ought to be ashamed of themselves. Because it's simply not true. But that's what they rely on. Because a lot of these things are down in the weeds. Like the Sanford Sweetheart deal from 2014. How many, how many members of the general public really remember how that went down? Or this oil tax stuff, which is confusing because there's triggers and there's there's the production tax and the extraction tax, and it's it's confusing and the trigger price changes and it's I mean it's hard to track. And so what happens is is that the politicians play you. They count on the fact that you're not very well informed, or even if you are well informed, it's hard to keep track of all the different nuances of these policies and issues. And then they get on social media and they talk to reporters who don't really spend a lot of time asking them the hard questions or really digging into the issue. They just sort of transcribe whatever claims that they're making. And their sense of balance is just to go to the other side and transcribe their rebuttals. And nobody applies any critical thinking to the situation. And then we get stuck with a lot of people get misled. A lot of people who think that we slashed oil prices, and that's why we're in the budget situation, or slashed oil taxes, and that's why we're in the budget situation we're in right now. Or a lot of people who think that we're trying to get rid of a, a nursing program in Bismarck because, you know, legislators hate NDSU or something, when in reality it was NDSU, which signed itself up for a bad deal. President Dean Brashani signed NDSU up for a bad deal. It's just amazing to watch how this stuff works. Just outright propaganda. Congressman Kevin Kramer coming up next. If you got comments, if you got questions for him, you can call in 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. This is the Rob Report on 970-WDAY. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Yes, now, wake up, mama. Turn your well, I found her out in Baltimore. She never tried to show me the door. She said, stay Welcome back. Rob Report here on 970 WDAY. 
It's time for Open Phone Segment with Congressman Kevin Kramer. Anything you want to ask, 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com or send me tweets at Rob Port. Uh, Congressman, thanks for your time. Thanks, Rob. Great to be with you. So on Sunday, my print column was about the 2018 Senate race having started already because I'm looking out over the landscape. And this was even before somebody leaked Heidi Heitkamp's uh, uh, first quarter fundraising numbers to the press before any reports were made. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the, the Planned Parenthood uh, protests aimed at you, which I, I see them as an ally of Senator Heitkamp. I'm looking yeah, at, at at the Democrats uh, attacking you increasingly on social media. As a matter of fact, before this program, uh, a Twitter account for the real Kevin Kramer dot com uh, was tweeting me, uh, telling people to ask you questions. Uh, that's that's a enterprise put on by the Democrats. Um, has the campaign started? I mean, are, are we in the 2018 cycle? Well, it, evidently it has for them. <laughs> I you know I don't. I have to say my my uh, pattern hasn't changed a lot, but we're pretty busy over here in the House, so uh, you know we, we we don't have a lot of time for politics. But um, it does appear that that's the case for them. Uh, you know, in addition, there've been uh, the uh, Environmental Defense Fund has been running TV ads against me uh, in in North Dakota, and I, it was so funny. The other day, I was watching TV and TV news, and I saw this ad where they were attacking me for voting for the Rains Act and the Regulatory Relief Act. <laughs> I'm thinking. Well, is this an ad for me or against me? They put up these images, of course, to make it look bad, and then put up the bills, which, of course, make it look good. And then, and then as soon as that ad was over, there was an, an ad praising Donald Trump for all the same exact things. And I thought, boy, I couldn't have placed this one any better. But clearly they're, they're uh, wanting to at least soften me up or persuade me one way or the other. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Are you, I mean, do you know it? Can you, I, I know every time you get asked this, you say you're not thinking about it much, but anything mm-hmm. to update on 2018? Are you running for the House? Are you running for the Senate? <laughs> no, it's, there's really not, um, Rob. I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I do, I do keep an open mind to it, but I really, really must tell you that the, the workload in the House right now and the pace that we're moving things, and, and it's, it, especially my, with my involvement with, uh, with President Trump has been increased in the last few weeks. Uh, it's just, it's got, it's all consuming if you want to know the truth in terms of what I can do for North Dakota. So um, I really have not thought much about a Senate race. Let's uh, let me ask you about these media questions. You talked about mm-hmm. this before the election. You you said mm-hmm. uh, you know at first you wanted to hold hearings. Now you're saying you, right. you're going to send a, a questionnaire, a set of questions to the press uh, regarding mm-hmm. this uh, re- regarding media bias. Um, and right. there was an article about it. What 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 are you doing with this? And and I want to ask this because when I've talked to you about this before, you have said. Mm-hmm. You're concerned because they're using the, the, the broadcast spectrum, which which mm-hmm. belongs ostensibly to the public, uh, yes. to, to do this. And, and But I'm, I, I'm worried because one thing that worries me is you always hear the left talk about the fairness doctrine. And they've been ramping it up a little bit. And they, usually they're talking about it with talk right. radio where we tend to be – we're pretty balanced on this station. But generally speaking, it tends to lean to the right. I, I mean, is is that what you want for for television media as well? Is is a, is a fairness doctrine? I mean, where are we going with this? No, no. Except that the difference, the difference, Rob, is that you don't pretend to be 
you know, the, the, the Rob report doesn't pretend to be a news report. You, certainly you, you provide information and news, but you don't pretend that it's not commentary, nor does, nor, nor does Jay Thomas or, or Sandy Butweiler and anybody else, uh, Mike McFeely. Everybody's selling what, what, you know, honesty. Maybe it's liberal, maybe it's conservative, but they're selling it at least with an honest pitch. What bothers me is that 30 minutes each evening on the evening newscast that NBC, CBS, and ABC use for opinion disguised as news. Not very well disguised anymore, quite frankly. I, I mean, Rob, if it weren't for the fact that they use this public spectrum, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't matter to me. But the fact that they do use it and then disguise opinion as news, I, I just think it's fraudulent, quite honestly. Now, all of that said, the market is taking care of it. Uh, you know, more and more people are getting their coverage different ways, getting the news from different sources. Even the network news is being streamed, and, and people are getting it over the top on their, you know, from their internet service providers more and more. But it also raises the question of whether or not that valuable spectrum that they ride on, um, you know, couldn't be used in a better way. And I just want them to think about that. And so that's why I keep challenging them on it. I don't. You know, I expect to have a meeting with the, with the the executives at some point to talk about it further. Um, and uh, but I just want to know whether they even care. I, I I get the sense they don't care. The executives. I I, I want to know if they even care when they hire a news director, or if the news director cares when he hires a journalist. If that person, you know, has any interest in being fair or not. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. I was reading a, a Sam Easter report on this uh, on WDAZ.com, and in it he quotes Al Tompkins. He's a senior faculty member at the Pointer Institute, uh, Florida-based center for journalism. Uh, he said basically uh, this is a way for him, referring to you, to get some press without saying very much, except we all know you have an agenda and I'm on top of it and I'm watching you. Is this just a press stunt for you? <laughs> Well, first of all, Rob, the one thing I don't need more is more of it is press. You know, so so the idea that you know somehow I'm doing pulling this as a sort of a media stunt, I can't take all the interviews that I get in a day, especially from the national and international media. That said, no, this is something that matters to me greatly. I happen to sit on the committee that has jurisdiction over Spectrum. In fact, we had a hearing today about Spectrum as it relates to uh, especially the 1 megahertz to 5 megahertz um, uh, spectrum, which is invaluable to uh, five to the 5G network that's being built out, things like that. So it's an area that I have a lot of interest in, and I, and I, and I do have enough political um, interest to want to see, want to see the broadcast, in a, or broadcast media be a little bit more fair. Um, there's not a lot in this for me. I mean, the... the the, the media is going to beat me up over it because they don't like to be held accountable, Rob. They, the, you know, the editorial pages, the forum communications, they don't, they don't want to have to live by uh, the same standards as others in the marketplace because they have monopolies. I, I get all of that, it doesn't, so it doesn't gain me a lot, um, other than I'm just genuinely concerned about it. 701-293-9000, Got a caller with a question. Dan, go ahead. Hey, Congressman, I was wondering... Why is it so easy for people to unmask these people on these surveillance calls? Why is it yes. that easy for them to do that? Yeah, so good good question. Um, and we're looking into it again because every time we've passed another privacy bill, it's supposed to get a little tougher for that to happen. But in the case of Susan Rice unmasking American citizens' 
um, by in the surveillance trap. I think this is a situation, and we'll find out more when she gets called to testify. I think this is a situation, though, where it wasn't even necessarily that it was easy to unmask. My concern is what made her want to unmask it? In other words, how did she, what was her inkling of the names that were masked to ask for it to be unmasked? What did she know before the names were even unmasked? Um, I, I'm not so sure that we're not going to find out that the, the surveillance at Trump Tower wasn't as incidental as they're saying it was. Because remember, at one point, it was crazy that it even happened. And each time we learn a little more information, we find out um, that she's less and less truthful. So it should not be that easy to unmask. As you know, the FISA courts have to provide a, um, they have to provide a warrant in order to even do the surveillance of a, of a non-U.S. citizen. And then when it gets, if U.S. citizens get, you know, in the net, then then you can have them unmasked for some security reason. Obviously, whatever the security reasons are, the standard's too low, and we need to, we need to strengthen it. Thanks for the call, Dan. Appreciate it. 701-293-9000, Got a couple minutes left with the uh, sure. with the congressman. Uh, I, I want to ask you this, because this is one, I, earlier I referred to that realkevinkramer.com that, that the mm-hmm. North Dakota Democrats are running and, and sort of ramping up the attacks on you. But one thing that they're asking is that they're saying that, that, that you don't want an investigation into the connections between President Donald Trump and Russia. Is that true? No. Of course, we're having, we have one, both in the House and in the Senate Intelligence Committees. They are bipartisan. Uh, the scope has to be uh, cleared be- between the ranking Democrat and the chairman. Um, they're, they're doing a full investigation. What most people that would um, subscribe to or follow that Twitter page really want is they want one solely on that topic. They don't want it to investigate anything further. And, of course, what we're learning now is that the more we investigate, the more we find that perhaps there are other shenanigans going on in the Obama administration. So, no, I'm not against that investigation at all. In fact, I'm a strong, strong uh, supporter of it. 701-293-9000, What's coming up, Kevin, uh, in, in the uh, next days and the next week? So a couple of things, you know, we're still working on trying to find some sort of a health care solution that can get enough votes to pass. Um, this week, we've yesterday we passed a bill, an SEC um, reform bill that allows uh, employee-owned or companies to sell more of their shares to, to their employees, making it a little easier to do that if they're selling to employees. Um, today, we're going to extend the VA Choice Program, uh, make it permanent rather than uh, allow it to sunset. So we're doing some pretty significant things. Also working on some other health care issues that are not related to the repeal, replace budget reconciliation piece. So continued on that path, we've, you know, one of the things that doesn't get a lot of attention is we have passed 15 congressional review acts rolling back uh, midnight Obama um, rules that were you know, passed or imposed on his way out the door. Uh, we've passed 15 of those and the president has signed 12 of them. Um, the, uh, the uh, some of the analysis of those uh, regulations is that we probably have you know, been able to restore about $65 billion back into the economy by uh, by rolling back these regulations. A lot of them on energy, uh, environmental, um, you know, waters of, the, waters of the U.S. is one that it's not a, a CRA, but now we're working on that one as well uh, with the administration. So um, a lot of work on rolling back regulations, getting people back to work. And, of course, Obamacare is one of those re- regulations. It's just sort of its own its own animal right now. As, we, as the it's clock a, yeah. ticks toward 
middle of May when we have to have uh, when when the, when the when the window closes for using budget reconciliation, uh, uh-huh. which is why there, there's this constant urgency. Uh, Obamacare's kind of got its own gravity field in in American it, politics. It does. Uh, sure Kevin, does. thank you so much for your time. We're out of time. We'll talk next week. Look forward to it. Thanks, Rob. It's Congressman Kevin Kramer. You can catch him here on the Rob Report every Wednesday, usually every Wednesday. Sometimes we have to move it around to accommodate the congressman's schedules. Uh, but you can certainly call in and ask your questions. We'll wrap up the show right after this. Don't go away. Pay me my money down. Tomorrow is our sailing day. Welcome back. Rob Report wrapping up. Jay Thomas show is coming up next, so stay tuned for that. You know, I, I can't wait till this legislative session's over. Are you sick and tired of everything? Well, and, and it's it's not, I mean, a lot of people get frustrated with the policies and whatever, and I, I think a lot of that's born of, of people who don't understand the pro. They don't follow this stuff day to day, and, you know, it's 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 sort of the politics of outrage, right? I, I think that's, for, for me, what I don't like about it, I, I love the process of policy making. I love when zany ideas come up. And sometimes I think zany idea is okay, not because we should make the idea policy, but because I think it makes us think and explore and maybe push the boundaries of, of how we're governing. I enjoy that. I mean, I am I am a, a policy nerd. I like talking about ideas. I like talking about, about governance and, and everything else. I, I love all that stuff. What I have hated about this session is that we're, we're putting in place all sorts of spending cuts, right? We're reforming the state budget. But we're not doing it from a place of, of, of power, right? We're not doing it because we're making principled decisions about how our state's going to go forward, right? Like like this this spending policy is better than this one because of these facts and these studies. We're not doing that. We're doing it from a place of necessity. We have to cut spending. We don't have a choice. Uh, we don't have the money anymore. The bottom fell out of the commodities market. Egg prices went down. Oil prices went down. And so state revenues went down. And now we're in a tough situation, and we have to make cuts. And and so I am very much I, – I liked it when Governor Doug Burgum spoke about – and I wish he had been speaking about it more during the session, but I get the idea that, that he's been sort of waiting. And by the way, Governor Doug Burgum is going to be on the show Friday. Um, I have a feeling that he's been sort of – you know, laid back, letting the, you know, the legislature largely solve the, the current budget situation. And he's going to try to put his stamp on the next budget. I don't know how wise that is politically. That's the sense I, I get. And what I get excited about Doug Berger is when he talks about reforming spending, right? Not just cutting line items. We're going to cut that funding and we're going to cut this funding and we're going to do this, that and the other thing. But saying we're going to change how we govern. You know, we're going to change how we go about. That's what I'm interested in. So from the perspective of this session has been pretty much just cutting spending and then having really overheated debates about, you know, people making exaggerated claims about the impacts of that funding. And and, and some of the funding cuts are truly painful. And it's just it's just not it's just not fun. I mean, to me, this is not a fun sort of policymaking. We overspent in the past, spent too much money. Now we got to cut a bunch of that spending back, and it's painful. And we're not doing it because it's the right thing. We're not doing it because we're enacting principled reforms. We're doing it pretty much because we don't have the money. And that, to me, is just that's that is just what is what is stunk about this legislative session. It it has not been fun for somebody like me, who enjoys the you know the policy debate 
of it all. I, I, that's what I like. I don't like, I don't like the politics. I don't like a lot of that stuff. What I like is the policy, having a debate. Why is this policy better than that policy? That's what I like. Jay Thomas show coming up next. You can catch me here on 970 WDAY, 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.